Welcome to the Chester ARP Church Devotional Podcast. Clint Davis, your host. Thank you for joining us. First Samuel chapter 10, verses 17 through the end of the chapter. Here we go. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. And he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, Set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. And Saul the son of Kish was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Then they ran and took him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upwards. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people the rights and duties of the kingship, and he wrote them in a book and laid it before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his own home. Saul also went home to Gibeah, and he went there with men of valor whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellows said, How can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present. But the king held his peace. This is the story of how Saul is proclaimed king in all of Israel. You remember Samuel has already anointed Saul king in chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. Now in chapter 7, I mean chapter 1, verse 17, Samuel calls all the people of the Lord together at Mizpah, the place of worship, the place that they are to gather. And all the people of the Lord came, and he said, The God of Israel said, I brought you up out of Egypt, uh, I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, from the hand of all the kingdoms who oppress you, but today you have rejected your God. Now you have to remember that the monarchy is put in place because the people had rejected God as their king. This was what's called a theocracy uh, prior to the coming of King Saul. This was a theocracy. The people were to be ruled by God from his theocratic position. He had given his law. He had entered into covenant with them. They were to follow him. They had lost their moral compass. They cried out for a king. They wanted to be like everybody else. And God says, well, you've rejected me, your God, so now you'll get a king. But I'm the one who delivered you from calamities. I'm the one who delivered you from distresses. But yet you want one who will save you. You want a king. You want a human leader who's going to save you from all these hardships. And so you're asking for a king, and so I will give him to you. So Samuel brings all the tribes near, and he casts lots. Now this is the first time we see this idea of casting lots that I can remember in the historical books. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, and so on. It's not the last time we'll see the idea of casting lots in the story of the Bible. You see it in the story of Jonah. When Jonah is on the boat and 
the sailors are there and the wind and waves are rough and they wonder what in the world's going on and so they cast lots to figure out who is the problem and of course the lot falls on Jonah. The disciples later on of the apostles in Acts chapter 1 will actually cast lots to take to decide which one of the two potential replacements for Judas that they will take to be with them on the day of Pentecost and to be a part of the growth of the church to replace to replace Judas. And so they cast lots. The, the reason I bring this up is because, one, God has already picked Saul. Uh, God has already anointed Saul through Samuel, or Samuel's already anointed Saul as a, as a symbol of the fact that God has chosen him. But the people of God don't know this. The people of God come and they see the casting of the lots, and the casting of the lots, and the lot falls on Benjamin, then the lot falls on uh, Saul's ancestors, uh, in Saul's family, and then the lot doesn't fall because there is one missing, and Saul is actually hiding. So we get a glimpse of the character of Saul. He's taller than everyone else. He's a big, strong man. He's the guy who, as we said before, looks kingly, but he is actually terrified of the position. He's got some character flaws that will come out later on, and he doesn't want to take this position on. He's not exceedingly brave and courageous. He's not got the character traits that you would expect in a leader. He just got the physical stature. And it's interesting that God has put Saul as the first king over them to remind them of God's sovereignty, but also to remind them that God is the one who is ultimately in control and the one who ultimately delivers them from the hand of their enemies. But I bring this up as well because, especially with the story of Jonah and Matthias and now Saul, is that this idea of randomness kind of catches us off guard sometimes. We, we, we think that God doesn't always know what's going on. Why in the world would God leave the choosing of the king or the people of God think that the choosing of the king was done by lot? And that was a good idea. Who would think that's a good idea? Who would think it's a good idea to choose the next apostle to replace Judas by lot? Who would think that it's going to be intentional that the lot's going to fall on Jonah on the boat with the sailors? But what we find in these stories is that God is showing us that ultimately he is in control of that which is seemingly random and that which is seemingly planned. In fact, everything is working in accordance with God's plan. There are no coincidences in the kingdom of God. There are no coincidences in God's eyes. God knows everything that's going to happen and it all happens in accordance with his perfect plan. And that's important for us to remember. And God's as active in the seemingly random things as he is in the well-defined things of order. And so we see that here with the choosing of Saul. Saul has got some character flaws, but Saul, we start to see this already. They go back with great pomp and circumstance. However, we're told some worthless fellows say, how can this guy be the one to save us? They catch on. Interesting in the irony of it, they're worthless, but yet they understand the flaws that Saul has that no one else sees. Yet God sees those flaws. God will expose those flaws in trial and then the people will ultimately cry out for a new king. And of course, God will bring his king, his man, David, who will come in. What a wonderful story and picture of how we look for messiahs in everyday life. And yet, the one who is our messiah has come unassuming in a manger, but yet the one who will save us from our sins, dying on a cross and rising from the dead. You guys have a great day. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. You carry me close to your heart.
Bye.